Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and glad you joined the podcast today, men. Glad you hit the play button, and uh, welcome to the conversation. I hope that uh, I can hear from you soon. And you say, well, how how's that going to work? Well, let's let's start with an email. Can you email me at spellmanministries at gmail.com, S-P-E-L-L-M-A-N, ministries, plural, at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Like some comments, feedback. If you have prayer requests, men, I promise I will be praying for you. My family will be praying for you. If you just let us know what your prayer requests are, and certainly we'd love to hear testimony Just brag on the Lord. Let's hear what the Lord is doing in your life, what he's speaking to your heart about. Um, Let's just begin the conversation that way. Let me hear from you on an email, or you can private message me on through social media. You'll see the links in the uh, descriptions below. Uh, Certainly, you can contact us on Facebook Messenger, probably one of the better uh, platforms to do that. But also, if there's something you'd like to see talked about, um, we're going to branch into a new subject of discussion today, one that will probably take several weeks to really dig into. But if there's something you want to talk about, a question you have on your heart, something you're facing you, facing you or your life, I promise you other men are dealing with it. Other men are facing some of the same challenges, young, old. And so again, if there's something you'd like to see talked about on the Marksman podcast, please just let me, let me know. Just give me a quick uh, shout out. And again, I want to hear from you. Spellman Ministries at gmail.com. So let's let's dig into today's uh, topic, today's conversation. You say, well, what's the topic? Well, I guess broadly and just kind of generally, we're going to talk about finances. Because, um, you know, as men, um, this, is a, this is a big subject. It's a big part of what our life um, is about. You know, we're we work, and of course, in most homes, it's not just the man working. Many times, wives are working outside the home, um, you know, bringing income into the, the household budget, that kind of a thing. So, it's not just a topic for men, obviously, but it is one as men. You know, we need to know how to lead in these areas, and we need to know uh, one of the things that Family Mission is: we want people to do life God's way. And so how do we do finances God's way? What does God even get involved in our finances? And so if so, how do then we uh, partner with him? How does he partner with us? How do we connect with heavenly provision? If he is our provider, how do we receive that provision? How do we connect with that provision? If there's a blessing that he has placed upon us as his sons and daughters, as his a family like Abraham, he had the blessing. And in Christ, Galatians chapter 3 says, we are heirs of the same blessing. So if he had the blessing, what? how does that manifest in our lives? These are, these are big topics. This is a big discussion. And so um, I don't know how many weeks will go, but I'm I'm excited to talk about it. It's an important subject, and it's one that I hope that will be encouraging and insightful, and in some ways, maybe just a good reminder. You know, Peter said this, I'm not, I'm not afraid to put you in remembrance. 
you know, sometimes it's just we've let some things slip. It's not that we didn't know them, not that we weren't do them, doing them, but sometimes we've just uh, neglected some things and we just need a good reminder. So some of these things may be coming to you even by way of reminder, but nonetheless, it keeps us sharp, it keeps us focused, and it keeps us winning. Who doesn't like to win? Amen. So let's begin our uh, study today and our conversation today in the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter 9. We're just going to kind of roll through a few verses here in the message. I'm not the message, the Amplified. And I'm picking it up in the Amplified Classic. So we're just, again, talking about doing life God's way, doing finances God's way. We're going to get into some really neat application and uh, ways to receive kingdom provision. Kingdom provision. Now, let me just kind of give you a little idea of what I'm talking about. What I'm basically saying is, thank God for the the work we're given. Thank God for maybe your particular vocation and job. Some people say, "Well, I got this is my job." Uh, we're not going to fuss over titles and things like that. But I'm saying there's something that's producing income in your life, a career, a vocation, a job, um, whatever you want to call that. Here's the good news. That is not your source. Come on, somebody. That is not your source. That That is a stream of income, but that is not the source of your, of your provision. No, the source of all provision for us, if we're going to think in line with the kingdom and think in line with the Bible and think in line with God, is we allow God to be our source. And God can provide through multiple streams. Even from the very beginning, the Garden of Eden had four streams that flowed through that beautiful garden. There was a garden planted eastward in Eden. You can read about it in Genesis. And that garden planted eastward in Eden had a river coming into it. And when it reached the garden, it broke and produced four different streams. And one of those streams, well, they're not streams, they were called rivers, but one of those rivers even notes, and that's where the gold was. We'll be getting into some of these things. But anyway, God knows where the gold is. God knows where the provision is. God knows these things. But let's let's just lay down this text here today, and it'll be kind of a foundational text of a lot of our conversation and study and discussion together here as we talk about kingdom provision, kingdom financing, and learning to receive uh, through multiple streams of income. So here we go. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, it says this in verse 6. Remember this, he who sows sparingly or grudgingly, this is the Amplified Classic, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Verse 7, let each one give as he's made up his own mind and purposed in his own heart, not reluctantly, not sorrowfully, and certainly not under compulsion. God loves, takes pleasure in, and prizes above other things. He's unwilling to abandon and do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. 
Now that's a that's a loaded verse. That's just verse seven, but that's the amplified classic. I'm going to read that again. Let each one give as he's made up his own mind, purposed in his own heart, not reluctantly, not sorrowfully, not under compulsion. Why? God loves, takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, unwilling to abandon and do without, a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And then in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace, every favor, earthly blessing, come to you in abundance, so that you may always, and under all circumstances, And whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. And we'll just stop right there. It goes on with some other other thoughts, but I wanted to just as as a starting point, just to lay those scriptures down in our heart, in the on the table here as we begin our conversation about kingdom finance and kingdom provision. One of the first things we see is this idea of sowing and reaping. You know, we have the idea, it's a kingdom principle. In fact, the grandfather parable of all parables is the parable of the sower, the parable of the soil. You know, Mark 4, Luke 8, Matthew 13, all three talk about this parable, this story that Jesus told about the sower sows the word. And depending on where it's sown, whether it was like wayside soil or whether it was sown in among rocky you know, soil or whether it was sown among thorns and weeds or whether it landed on good soil. And the good soil, Luke's gospel account says, good soil was the good, honest heart. So a good, honest heart is good soil for the word of God. It's good soil for the seed and so here he's talking about sowing and reaping. And so it's a kingdom principle. It says even in the book of Genesis, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be cold and hot, winter, summer, summer and harvest, sowing and reaping. You know, this is a kingdom principle that will never end. And it's not just a natural truth. That's why Jesus used it to actually illustrate and explain how things are in the spirit. Because here's the reality. Everything in the natural actually came forth from the spirit. Everything that we see that we consider material and tangible and touchable was actually born and brought forth from another realm. So if we could say it it may not be good English, but the spirit realm is actually more real. <laughs> it's more tangible. It's more material. It's just a different substance. It's a different realm. But everything that we experience in the what we call the natural realm came forth from the spirit. God is spirit. And he created light. He created night and day. He created the earth. He created the stars, the moon, and the sun. He created the animals. And he formed and made man. And so all this was created from God, God who is spirit. God says in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image. In fact, I want to go back to that passage. Um, This is also important as we study kingdom provision, kingdom financing. 
um, just learning to do life God's way in this realm of life, this this part of our life where provisions concern and finances are concerned. Uh, notice in Genesis chapter one, I'm just going to read the New King James. Um, just go down to verse 26. It says, God said, let us make man in our image. Remember, God is spirit. John 4, verse 24, Jesus said, God is spirit. They that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. So God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Dominion. If you're somewhere you can speak out loud (laughs) and not freak people out around you, just say it with me out loud. Dominion. Dominion. So when we're talking about kingdom finance, kingdom provision, we're talking about dominion. It's not just something that uh, we'll just kind of wait and see what happens. There's a way that we can walk in dominion, in authority. And God expects us to. God not only expects us to, he needs us to. For his will to be done in the earth, he needs families to walk in kingdom dominion, kingdom authority, kingdom provision, kingdom abundance. So here he says, let man have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So um, not to be cheesy, but you got authority over creeps. <laughs> just, just, I just couldn't resist that one anyway. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them, and then God blessed them. There's that blessing. So how's man going to actually have dominion? Not without the blessing. You've got to have God's blessing on what you're doing. You're the blessing. God blessed them, and he said. So he released the blessing through what he said. And how many times do we see generationally, as you go from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and Joseph and on and on and on through the generations, these men would bless their children. They would bless them by speaking over them, releasing words over them, just like it was patterned here in the book, in the beginning. God blessed them, and he said, be fruitful, multiply. That means increase, fill the earth, or some versions say replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea or the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So I wanted you to see what God's will was from the beginning was that the man he made The man he made was intended to have dominion. He was intended to have authority. He was intended to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish or fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the face of the earth. So again, back to 2 Corinthians. If you've got a Bible and you're following along, let's go back to 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, so we see the idea of sowing and reaping. We see the idea of dominion, that is authority, that we have a God-given blessing that allows us to exercise dominion, to exercise authority. And again, this is how we're going to embrace provision. See, provision isn't just God doing everything for us. It's not just checks in the mail. 
Thank God for checks in the mail. Praise God. We've received checks in the mail. And they're a huge blessing when those kinds of those kinds of streams open up in your life, gifts and things like that that people do for you. Okay, that's one way, but that's not the only way provision can flow. And again, what is the source? What is the source? Again, whether you're talking about someone giving you a gift, whether you're talking about going to work, you know, putting time in with your company, uh, with your vocation, your career, maybe multiple companies you might be running or owning or working at. You might have more than one job. Again, we have to renew our mind to realize that those those jobs, even though they might produce a paycheck, they might produce income, we cannot let our mind and our thought and our heart look at those things as our source. Because some of you may have experienced this, you know, the loss of a job, the downsizing of a company. I mean, sometimes uh, I've, I've known people personally have very, very lucrative jobs, um, had a very substantial income. And because of a change in technology, a change in how that particular market or that product or that service is done, it's downsized, it's changed, and now what was a huge stream of income for this individual and this family, it just went away. It went away one day they had a job, the next day they didn't. One day they had that stream of income, the next day they didn't. So does that mean that the source has went away? No, that just means that stream dried up. Just because that stream dried up does not mean another stream cannot open because we have to always remind ourselves, God is my source. Why don't you just say that with me again? If you're able to do it and do it out loud, man, let's just agree together. Let's declare it men together today. God is my source. God is my supply. And so that's what Abraham discovered in Genesis 22, whenever, of course, he was obeying God and he was by faith going to offer his son Isaac as an offering. And God eventually, as covenant partner, actually called him off and said, no, 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 I see that you're willing to obey me. I see that you've not withheld anything from me and you passed the test. So don't kill your son. Don't offer him I'm going to provide you this ram caught in the thicket. And it was in that place upon that mountain, Mount Moriah, Genesis 22. It was there Abraham got the revelation that God was his source. God was his supply. And that's where we hear the famous name for God, Jehovah Jireh. Of course, that's English version. I can't say it right in Hebrew, but anyway, we say it Jehovah Jireh. The Lord, our provider, simply means the God who sees ahead and makes provision. The God who sees is the literal rendering, the God who sees. In other words, he, he knows what we need before we know what we need. Things happen in life. Unexpected bills, unexpected, you know, uh, a car breaks down or uh, a, a washer breaks down, a fridge goes out. You know, we didn't expect that. We didn't know that was coming. It wasn't on our daytime or it wasn't on the schedule. It wasn't in the budget. And so to us, it comes as a shock. It comes as a surprise and fear can come in and frustration can enter in and, and stress can enter in. It can, it can put stress on your marriage. It can put stress on all kinds of other things. And here's the reality. God saw that. 
Now, I'm not saying God caused it. Don't hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he saw it. He knew it. And because he knew it, he has provision because he's our provider. He, he's our father who is in heaven. His name is holy. He is righteous. He is perfect. And I love this verse. Let's go here next. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> and then, we'll, of course, we'll be coming back to 2 Corinthians. But here's just a great truth since the Holy Spirit kind of highlighted that. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Just kind of laying down a foundation. We're going to we're going to get into some real details over the next several weeks about different ways to. We're going to even talk about a kingdom grant. That's right. You will not want to miss that. But again, we got to lay some foundation because some of these truths can only lay right in our heart when they're laid upon other truth. And so there's a there's a systematic way that I really feel the Holy Ghost has given me to approach some of these things, and we're going to eventually get there, but we're not going to get there today. But we're going to be talking about a kingdom grant, how to live in kingdom provision, kingdom finance, kingdom supply. Um, the Lord just kind of showed it to me that way, a kingdom grant. But it's all about our inheritance. It's all about living and, and, and walking with and in the inheritance as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So we'll get more into that as we go through our study. But again, let's look at Romans chapter 8, because this is real important to see. Praise God. I love this. I love this. I love the truth. How about you men? You love the truth? I do. Romans chapter 8, here's what it says. All right, let's grab it in verse 28. Here's a familiar portion, a little passage here. Romans eight twenty-eight. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. That's you. That's me. That's, that's you and I. We love God. If you're tuned in to the Marksman podcast, I'm, I'm pretty certain I can, I can pretty much peg that on you. You love God. And if you love God, then you are called. You are the called. It's not about being a pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher. No, the called. God called you, called me. He called us out of darkness, and he called us into the light of his son, Jesus Christ. He called us out of darkness into a kingdom. Colossians 1 talks about it, the kingdom of the son of his love. Colossians 1 just after verse 11, 12, 13, right in there. We've been called, and because we love God, we are the called. Notice what it goes on to say. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, again, this is what Marksman's all about, pressing into Christ-likeness. We've been called to be like him. We've been called to be formed and fashioned into his image. Moreover, those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. That's what the blood of Jesus did. It washed away our sins. It restored innocence in our heart so that we could stand in the presence of our Holy Father, a holy God and judge of all creation, and we can stand innocently, cleanly, purely in holiness. So 
He called us. He justified us. And those he justified, he glorified. He sent Holy Spirit to be in us and on us. He glorifies us. He clothed us with the Spirit. He breathed into us the breath of life. Just like when Jesus breathed on his disciples in John 20, verse 22, he breathed on them and said, Receive Holy Spirit. He glorified them. What shall we say to these things? That's verse 31, Romans 8, 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So what are these things he's talking about? The fact that we're predestined, the fact that we're called, we're justified, we're glorified, that God has a foreknowledge. He knows things before we know things. There's things he knows about our life that only he knows. What are we going to say to all these things? What is the cross telling us? What is the message of the cross if God is for us? Who can be against us? I mean, if nothing else, that's what the cross is clearly communicating. It's it's like it's screaming, I'm for you. If I wasn't for you, all I had to do is just leave you alone. If God just left me alone, I'd be destroyed and die in my sin and go to hell. But no, God is for me, and he's a just and holy God, and he had to deal with sin. And so Jesus came so that sin could be dealt with and sin could be removed. As far as the east is from the west, he carried it away. He's the Lamb of God. He was the scapegoat that God conferred all of our sins upon, and then he carried it away so that we might have forgiveness. So God is clearly for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, here's what I want you to see. This is all tied to what we're talking about. God's willingness and ability to provide for us. Even when we don't know the fridge is going to break down. We don't know the washer's breaking down. We don't know the car's going to break down. We don't know about that unexpected bill or that loved one that called and they need help. They've lost their job. They need groceries and you want to help. Whatever the situation is, things we don't expect happening, but God sees it. God knows it. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, then how or why would he not also with him freely, freely give us all things? Now let that sink in. The message of the cross God is clearly showing us, I'm for you. Man, I believe in you, and I want you. I'm unwilling to do life without you, and I'm going to send my son to pay the price for your sin because I'm a just and I'm a holy God, and I can't act like nothing's happened. It has happened. Sin has happened. The enemy has gotten in, but I'm going to judge him. I'm going to defeat him. I'm going to deal with him, and I'm going to pay the price for your sin. And if you'll believe what I did for you and receive salvation as a gift, and you'll receive it as grace, and you take it by faith, then I will wash away your sins. And not only that, Romans 8, 32, I'll freely give you all things. I'll freely give you all things. 
I got one more verse if you got time. We're getting close to our 30-minute mark here. But I love to read this verse. It fits perfectly right here. Back in Romans chapter 4, we mentioned Abraham earlier. Romans chapter 4 talks about what Abraham, you know, who he is and what what happened in his life and what we can learn through his life. But I want to just look at one verse or, yeah, a couple of verses here, but one little short passage here in Romans chapter 4, verse 16. This talks about how Abraham uh, received that blessing and how that blessing produced in his life. Because the Bible is very clear. Abraham was not just rich. Abraham was very rich. Not only was he very rich, his son Isaac was rich. And not just rich, but very rich. So so rich was Isaac that the Philistines, those in the land that he dwelled in, they envied him. They envied him. So not only was he rich, he was enviously rich. This is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob himself. He said, hey, I'm going to do life just like my daddy and my granddaddy. They were both tithers. I'm going to be a tither. He wrestled with God one night. Read about it in the book of Genesis. And God blessed him. And and Jacob became rich. Now, Jacob, after that wrestling match with God that night or with that angel, he changed his name to Israel. And that's where, of course, we get the family, the nation of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel. Israel was rich, very rich. And so you see all these men who walked with God, and even Jesus. You know, I know the scripture says, He for our sake became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. Made poor in the sense that uh, just like he was made sin, so that we might be made righteous. He put our sicknesses upon him, it says in 1 Peter 2, so that we might be made whole. So yeah, he was made poor just like he was made sick and he was made made sin according to redemption, redemptive substitution, but he didn't live as a poor man. I mean, why would you take his garments and divide them? I mean, the garment that they divided on the cross was a uh, a wealthy man's garment. It was a coveted garment. That's why they were casting lots for it. It was a kingly royal garment. And how many poor people do you know that have a treasurer? Not just a treasurer, but an embezzling treasurer. And not one thing ever was stopped. Jesus was never hindered from doing God's will. Jesus was never hindering from not only taking care of his needs, but he had entire disciples and families. He had an entire um, small community traveling with him, and he provided for them all and had a treasure and was constantly feeding the poor, constantly. You can't feed the poor and take care of a huge entourage if you don't have something going on provision-wise, and not just a little bit. I'm talking significant provision in his life. And He even started life rich. Remember the wise men came and laid gifts down? Very, very, very... Uh, generous gifts from these wise men, these kings from the east. So as a baby, he started rich. And then, of course, he... And, and see, sometimes you just say the word rich. It's a, it's just like a four-letter word to some people. It's almost like cussing. But here's the thing. 
what do we read in 2 Corinthians 9? God wants us to have abundant provision. And that's really all that rich means. It just means a full supply. And not just a full supply to just meet the need, but a overflowing, a a cup that runs over. Jesus said in John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would have life to the full till it overflows. And yes, people have certainly uh, taken this truth from Scripture, and they've abused it, they've twisted it, They've manipulated it. They've used it for personal gain. They've used it. Some of them like charlatans. I get that. But we can't back off of the truth. Not if we're going to receive the provision God wants to give us and walk in the provision God wants us to walk in and needs us to walk in so that we can be a blessing. See, one way to be a blessing is to be blessed. And we want to be a blessing. I believe you want to be a blessing. But let's look at this as we wrap up here today. Romans 4, 16. This is the Amplified, again, classic version. Therefore, inheriting the promise. Remember Romans eight thirty two. He's going to give you freely all things. I mean, you're going to receive it as inheritance. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. It depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace, unmerited favor, to make it stable, valid, and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and inheritance of the law, but to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. But I want you to catch that phrase. I love it in the Amplified. It says, inheriting the promise. What promise? Well, let's just take Romans 8.32. He didn't withhold Jesus. And so he said, if I didn't withhold him, I won't withhold anything good that you need. I'll freely give you all things. Now, that's a promise, but it's a promise we receive by inheritance. We receive it by grace. And I love how the Amplified brings this out. It depends entirely on faith so that it can be given as an act of grace, unmerited favor. And why does God do it that way? Because he wants to make it stable, valid, and guaranteed to all. See, when he does it like that, he levels the playing field. And it doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. doesn't matter what your education level is. doesn't matter what skill sets you have. It doesn't matter what anyone else says about you. If you'll just be willing to accept what God has said about you and what God has promised to do for you and just allow yourself to be humble and say, God, I'm going to do life your way. I'm going to do finances your way. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to, I'm going to work in an honest job. I'm going to, I'm going to start an honest company. I'm going to, I'm going to employ people honestly. I'm going to do my work honestly, but I'm going to trust you as my source. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to follow you in how you do life. And I realize that you want to bless me. You want to increase me. And my level of provision is not based upon just my job or only my job or only my my vocation or only my career. That might be one stream, but it's not the only stream that can flow and flow freely in my life.
But we've got to begin here, men, starting with the fact that God wants us to inherit a promise, a promise that He wants to be our provider. He wants to be our source, but it's going to depend entirely upon faith so that it can be an act of grace. And the reason is He wants to make it stable, valid, and guaranteed to all. He wants everyone to experience this. And so we've just cracked it open. We've just begun the conversation. Our time has already gotten away, and we're going to pick up this conversation next week. So I hope you won't miss next week's conversation as we begin to dig again back into these truths, talking about kingdom provision, kingdom financing. Eventually, we're going to talk about how to establish a kingdom grant. And you won't want to miss any of these conversations. So, men, I'm praying for you. I want to hear from you. Shoot me an email at spellmanministries at gmail.com. Let's keep the conversation going. And let's join around the table again next week here on Marksman. Marksman.